Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by basketball Hall of Famer Nancy Lieberman as we'll touch on the NBA playoffs and also talk about Nancy's involvement in the Big Three. And we'll also hear a couple cool stories from Nancy about Ice Cube and former President Barack Obama and a few other things. A fascinating conversation with the Hall of Famer Nancy Lieberman coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. And we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well before we wrap up today's show. As always, Thomas Bridges is here. Tom, uh, fascinating week here on the Jones Report. Uh, just a couple of days, about to hit the road to Texas Motor Speedway as uh, I'll get to be at the NASCAR All-Star Race with a couple of our colleagues, uh, David Starr and Dominic Oregon. We're going to have a great time out there uh, for uh, that race. And I got to tell you, this setup, I mean, you talk about kicking off the summer of Jones, folks. Um, I've been told that at the racetrack this weekend, Tom, I'm going to get to have like an unlimited supply of sorts of craft beer, steak, and shrimp. I mean, I'm going to be in paradise, and I didn't have to go too far. Just go to, to Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, it is going to be hot. It's going to be hot for sure down there because I know it's going to be hot in Tulsa this weekend. So um, definitely be prepared for that um, just because it's going to be – Super hot. I mean, trust me, if I was down there, I'd be drinking all the craft beer, but definitely going to have to be drinking some water this weekend as well. Water. Now, I, I guess I'll go ahead and drink the water since I have to. <laughs> um, but, you know, so, sometimes, uh, you know, you, you, you do that hydration test and the beer can can uh, can get you hydrated or at least make you think you're hydrated of some sort. So, We'll see. It should be a good time this weekend and uh, get down to Texas and, and uh, doing the, uh, the racing podcast. Let's go racing with David Starr out there on Sunday as well. And, uh, and seeing that race should be a great time at Texas Motor Speedway. What, what, what are you up to the, uh, the next several days here? I, you, you had a chance to make the trek with us. Instead, you're watching a dog? Yeah, yeah. The roommate's dog, which is, you know, not bad. I'm, I'm, I am saving some money because I'm going to go to Mexico and literally a month from right now. So, which is probably good. I don't need all that steak and shrimp anyway, just because gotta, gotta keep losing, gotta keep losing, keep getting this body in shape for Mexico so I can gain it all back in the six days that I'm there. Um, but doing that and, Tulsa tough here in Tulsa this weekend. First time in two years due to COVID. If you guys are not from Tulsa and don't know what that is, that is a huge bike race. It's in layman terms, litty titty. Uh, they got Crybaby Hill on Sunday, which is where everyone comes out and cheers on the bikers and a lot of liquor, a lot of booze, a lot of food, a lot of just shenanigans. Um, so it should be pretty good. Um, also booked. Today, a uh, a karaoke night at the Summit Club here in Tulsa. So that's not this weekend, but that is soon. So and I got to tell you, Tom, the uh, next time you come up here, I've been telling folks uh, about really the first time I 
come up there. Yes, yeah, so when you come up here, uh, I've been f- telling folks about my buddy DJ Tom, and uh, like I have some friends, like they want the full you know karaoke DJ experience. I mean, we can we we need to make that happen in the Jones Zone one of these days. You find me a bar. You find me a bar in Omaha, and oh, I will saying, drive I got my up own to bar there. in my apartment. You know, we'll, we'll do it right here. Oh yeah, well you could do that too. But there's another thing though. Find a bar and be like, listen, guest DJ from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'll be up there next weekend if that's the case. <laughs> hey, we, we might have to make that happen. College World Series next week too. I mean, uh, we, we talk about this summer of Jones that we always uh, joke about each year and such. But th- this is me the next few weeks, Tom. Uh, Dallas this weekend. College World Series here in Omaha the week following. And then I go to Tampa for a little family vacation. And then the month of July, I'm headed to Phoenix one weekend. August, Nashville for another. And then we wrap up Labor Day weekend in uh, New Orleans. So uh, that, that'll be the, uh, the lowdown for me uh, over these uh, next few weeks. going to be a, a lot of uh, Liddy City, as they say. Yeah, it's not too bad. I, I think I put all my chips on Mexico, um, but I am looking at San Antonio and at the end of July, really June is the time to just get my body right and and not take it too hard because I know Mexico is going to be just it's going to be it's going to be dumb probably. I'm going to swim with a whale shark. Wait, wait, wait! What? Oh yeah, you're oh, swimming with yeah. a shark. What a whale shark. It's still a shark, though. I mean, it's big as like four school buses, but it how close are you going to get to this? Oh, I don't know, probably twenty yards. Really? Oh, a hundred percent. Is there going to be like? Is there going to be anything guarding between you and the shark? No, 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 no. Well, sharks are super chill. They're not. People do it all the time. They're not worth like. I wouldn't swim with an actual. Big, like a normal shark. This is like a probably safer than swimming with a killer whale at SeaWorld. Okay. Yeah, I, trust me. I was, I'm not a I'm not an open water fan by any means. Like I don't even stray out too far in the lake, let alone you know. But I was like, you know what? Once in a lifetime chance. There's no whale sharks close to America. I'm getting in the bitch, and I'm gonna swim with a whale shark. I like that. I mean, you make that you make that your bitch. And get take like video and whale sharks and like people get a lot closer than what I would be comfortable with. But they take you out and they say, "Well, here's whale sharks," and they let you jump in, take a little video of you underwater, and let you kick it. So try not to be Jonah and the whale shark, but um. I think it should be fine. They only feed on like plankton and krill. So really? yeah, I should be I should be good to go there. But uh that being said, I won't you know, trust me, I'll be nervous. Um uh, might add a little bit more pollution to the ocean uh when I jump in. But uh that might going on a little catamaran trip where it's like um have you ever been to South Padre Island? You like take a little ferry over there. Yeah, I've been to like, South Padre for this. Right, it's kind of like this. A little bit further, all you can drink, 
on this and then you like snorkel in this little coral area so gonna do that and then i might even go on a fishing trip so i'm like all right you know if i'm gonna go and it's paid the money to have gone uh first time out of the country jones so i'm gonna do it big and then like i said i got san antonio and then all of college football season going to boise college football season is my summer of jones uh like plan on going to Boise, going to Austin. Uh, and if I can get the funds together, I might be in, I might end up in Morgantown, West Virginia. Birthday. So that's my football season's my summer of Jones. And then obviously next February going to Rome. So we're going, you know, we're, we're making the money. We're getting to travel. Yeah. I uh, like it. 10 years, 10 years, 10 years ago, we were not. No. It was summer of Tom and Tyler in the fucking garage in Kawita. In, in Broken Arrow, yes. You're right in the in the shed. <laughs> yes, we were there. We've, we've come a long. We've come a long way. We we uh we got a little more money in our pockets nowadays, and we and use now we're now we're we got a month and we're at ten, big ten, right? Oh man, and you know the the college football visits, like you say, you're going to Boise. When I'm in New Orleans, I'm actually going to go see OU play Tulane. Uh, really? Yeah, I'm gonna see that while I'm down there. That's Tulane's a night. I like Tulane's campus. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna do that. I would like to get out to a Nebraska or Iowa or Iowa State home game this year. If I could go to all three, I will. That's all. Iowa gonna- Iowa State would be unreal. Is it? Is it at Iowa or in Ames? I believe it's in in Iowa City at Iowa. I mean, I want to go to a home game each for Nebraska, Iowa, and Iowa State this year. Yeah, that would be awesome. And I'd like to make it back to Lawrence for the K-State game, do uh, experience that again. Halloween, maybe you can come down and watch Oklahoma State, KU, and Stillwater. My my problem is, and maybe it'll change by then, but I got to talk to my bosses. I work weekends, so that's my predicament here. We need to just get you a live mobile studio. Right. Just do local news live from whatever stadium I want to be in. On location. Yeah. Exactly. The news can just do itself. Right. Exactly. Just put it in autopilot of some sorts. That'd be nice, if only. Nonetheless, we will uh, move on. Let's start with the NBA playoffs today. And, Tom, since we last talked, the Los Angeles Lakers have now been eliminated. And uh, they are gone, done so done. What a relief it is to say goodbye to L.A. LeBron, he just storms off the court without shaking hands like a little bitch. And then uh, the game before that, you know, he leaves with five minutes to go. And we keep hearing all the excuses from these LeBron and Laker fans and such. I mean, I got to tell you, I don't want the Nets to win the championship by any means. But with Thunder not involved, there's a smile on my face with the Warriors missing the playoffs and with the Lakers getting eliminated in the first round. At this point, I'm kosher here. I'm just here to be entertained. I'm enjoying it all. This has been a fascinating playoffs. And there's a lot of parity in this postseason. Now, the Nets look like the class of the East, but the Western Conference is wide open um, and those West teams, we'll talk about more with Nancy Lieberman when she stops by coming up in just a bit. I think you can make a case that a couple of them at the very least, maybe 
all four of them, who knows, can hang with the Nets and could make that a competitive series of some sorts. I like how exciting these playoffs have been so far to this point. That Clippers-Mavs series, it was a shame somebody had to lose. Uh, That's somebody being the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, Luka just went off, and I think Luka's on his way, if he isn't already, to being the best player in the NBA at this point. I mean, he is a complete player, just puts on a show. Um, For a guy that got eliminated, I can't believe it of how just excited I am about Luka and his future and how fun he is to watch. I mean, this has been a remarkable first couple days as we wrapped up the first round and are in the second round now, Tom. Yeah, and for all that avoiding the Clippers tried to do, it took them seven to get past the Mavs. The Mavs put on every bit of a fight, and their their future, unfortunately, as a Spurs fan, is bright. Um, so if you're a Mavs fan, I wouldn't be too worried about your team. You probably know that. They'll be back. They'll be probably more fire next year. But uh, as far as the Clippers go, yeah, they did win, but if they don't win this series, you know, Paul George, I heard, may be on his way out. Um, and and if it's not Paul George, maybe it's Kawhi leaving. But maybe it's both. That being said, yeah, I wish. Um, but that being said, too, you know, you talk about the Nets. Uh, they look like they got a pretty good handle on the Bucks right now. Um, hell, you know what? The most interesting thing I thought was on Sunday, the the freaking Atlanta Hawks taking Game One. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Philly about came back. I don't know if you watched that game. Well, that was one of the better games I've seen all postseason. Uh, I mean, that came right down to the wire, and Philly almost pulled off the comeback. Um, so, that's – I mean, I believe that series right now is one and one. So, maybe that is the next Dallas Clippers series. Uh, it appears to be so. But, Jones, we did talk, we did talk about uh, how we weren't – you know, we didn't really – get that feeling from the from the 76ers so maybe we're right here um granted i don't want to see trey cherry young do it well the thing too let's go ahead and start with that series and then we can work our way around with the others since you mentioned it um with the 76ers there was a belief among the public that you know hey if Embiid's not a hundred percent then the Hawks have a pretty decent chance to win that series. Some of them even said they were the favorites if uh, there was no Embiid involved. And we have seen Embiid the last couple of games. And, and he game scored two, 40 he last night. 40 points. Right. Um, he's healthy. Right. He's healthy. He's fine. And here are the Hawks competitive and going toe-to-toe right with him. Credit to Nate McMillan, Trey Young, and company for, for doing what they've done here. I mean uh, – you know, this is uh, this is impressive. This is not – It's it, they're not playing this way just because of Embiid's health. I don't think that's really a factor right now. I think the Hawks are just a legit basketball team. Yeah, I think so, too. It pains me to say because I'm not a Trey Young fan. I can't – I can't you know. Him. Yeah, I'm saying I'm like, good Lord. But, yeah, the Hawks, I mean, they're they're reminding me a lot of the grit and grind Grizzlies. I mean, they're, they're sticking in there, hammering at home. They're scoring a lot more than the grit and grind Grizzlies, but – um, Jesus, I mean, I couldn't believe it. They were up 20 at one point in that game one, and I was like, no way. No way. Um, but sure enough, you know, uh, I, I, I'm sure Atlanta's 
happier to draw the 76ers than they are the Nets. Uh, you can ask the Bucks that. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, you know, I, I still think that uh, the winner of the Nets Bucks series is uh, going to win the Eastern Conference. Uh, I, I said that going in ahead of time. Um, and I look at it now, Tom, and I, I would still say that because if the Bucks can somehow rally and win this series, then I would pick, pick them over the Hawks and the Sixers. But based on the way those first two games went with how well the Nets looked as a well-oiled machine, even uh, with a couple injury issues, Harden hurt. You know, James Harden being hurt, um, the Nets were, were, were clicking. I mean, that team is uh, – it, it seems like they, they are peaking at the right time. We talk about teams, you know, the, the way they're playing in the postseason. Some teams are, you know, on a downward spiral or look tired, whatever. I mean, we haven't even seen the Nets at their best yet, I don't believe. No, neither do I. I think, I think at their best, they're every bit as good or they should be as the 72 and 10 Warriors or the 73 and nine, I'm sorry. Um, at least they should be um, with all that talent. But, uh, you know, we've kind of seen the resurgence of Blake Griffin just a little bit, kind of the fire under his ass just a little bit, uh, which is cool to see, but I wish it wasn't for the Nets. Um, you know, I don't – I mean, at this point, Jones, I'm rooting for either the Suns, either one of the Suns, or the Jazz and the Bucks. Those are my teams. Yeah. I don't think the Bucks. I don't think the Bucks have it though. I, I think we could be realistically looking at a four-zero sweep the way the Nets are playing right now, and it shouldn't be that way. But okay, it is. We mentioned the Clippers that the fall apart could be coming pretty soon, as far as whether it's Kawhi or Paul George or whatever it may be. What about with the Bucks? Giannis, I think, has been patient uh, with that team, and they haven't really built much around him. They were the favorites in the Eastern Conference last year, didn't have anything to show for it. Mike Budenholzer, uh, he won Coach of the Year. He's won a lot of games, but hasn't been able to get him over that hump. Do you see the Bucs uh, falling apart or – uh, going into some frantic mode of some sorts this offseason if they can't come back in this series? Uh, I think they might try to add a player, make a radical move. I don't think they should necessarily get rid of Mike Budenholzer because it's like, come on, like you face a Nets team that no one was necessarily prepared for this season. Sure, you had KD back from injury. No one expected him to be this good. Um, sure, Kyrie, we know who Kyrie is. Uh, but then you just, you know, not midway through the season, but at the beginning, just have the Rockets to bed and literally give James Harden uh, to a, a, a essentially what would make it just a, an ultimate super team. Uh, I mean, it's not fair. Um, so now, is it the Bucks' fault that they faced the Nets? No. Um, is it the Nets' fault that they have or that, that they're about to sweep the Bucks? No, you play who's in front of you and you do the best you can. But still, at the same time, it's like, well, you know, what do you do? Well, I mean, what do you, who do you blame? Do you fire a coach because you can't beat a fucking super team? Like, maybe the greatest we've seen? I mean, and they're not even playing up to their potential. 
talent-wise, this is the best super team we've ever seen, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. It's the most ridiculous super team, and, and you don't even have LaMarcus Aldridge on the team anymore. And if you did, that's a guy off the bench that could still get you 15, 20. Right. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't know where the money's coming from. I, you know, I know there's pay cuts taken, and that's how it worked out. But this is like the championship window like it was for the Heat, like it was for the Warriors. Um, you know, like we thought it was going to be for the Lakers. Um, and I and we talked about the Lakers just now. I think that championship window's closed. Now, let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about that then uh, with the Lakers, uh, that championship window. LeBron is older now. Anthony Davis is having some injury issues. It's the same roster that won the title last year, practically, other than – Minus Danny Green. You know, Montrez Harrell and you know, Kyle Kuzma took a big step backwards and such. Uh, what happened with this Lakers team? Uh, same coach and Frank Vogel and everything. I know they had the injuries. I get that. But um, – it's just no excuse to try to blame that roster saying that LeBron didn't have the pieces or anything like that. It's the same guys. Complacency. Yeah. It's complacency. I get it. It's, it's, it's no easy task to compete year in and year out. LeBron's getting older. You did have the injuries. Should they have beat the Suns? I don't know. Suns are pretty freaking good. They just, they, you know, they fell. They'd still have to play another team. Could they have beaten the Clippers or the Mavs? I think maybe so. I think maybe so. Um, you know, in like you said, Anthony Davis has some injuries. A lot of people are comparing Anthony Davis to Tim Duncan. Absolutely not. That's Absolutely a not. Take. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm I'm seeing that all the time on Twitter, and I, I haven't seen it here lately. As soon as they lost the first round, um. But, yeah, it was getting ridiculous there for a moment. So, you know, I think LeBron, you know, there was news today of him moving from 23 back to number six. Well, here's the deal. Number's not going to change because he's not going to magically go back to Miami Heat LeBron. He's still one of the best players in the world. Is he the best anymore? No. no. I would still take him over a lot of people. No. Um, wouldn't, take, wouldn't take him over Luka. Wouldn't take him over Kawhi. Um, wouldn't take, wouldn't him, take him over, him over KD. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, wouldn't take him over Giannis, but I would take him if I had the tenth pick in an NBA fantasy draft, and LeBron was not gone. I'm taking him. Um, but I mean, that being said, it's it's you know you can see the age a little bit. He's not as dominant as he once was. Um, so I'm- you know. Here's the thing with LeBron, Tom, um, and, and I know it's popular to, you know, hate on LeBron, and it's uh, it's benefited some folks in the media. It's gotten them up in the uh, the you know some nice jobs and such over the years. But here's where I look at with LeBron: um, when you talk about how the game is supposed to be played, when it comes to you know, being a superstar player and getting your teammates involved. Um, LeBron is one of the most unselfish superstars I've ever seen on the court. He makes his teammates better as a player. You could say objectively, LeBron is a lot of fun to watch, but it's the antics to me that 
that are really tiresome with LeBron, the walking off the court business, you know, not, you know, shaking hands, the, the flopping all the time, the, uh, you know, the, the social justice stuff that, he, you know, he's trying to do and, you know, calling out cops that are doing their job, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I mean, just, just, just stuff like that. I mean, it, it gets old after a while. I mean, LeBron, uh, you're not Muhammad Ali. Okay. Um, you're a great basketball player and you're not Michael Jordan either. And it's okay that you're not either one of those. That's fine. Deal with it. I mean, I suppose so. I mean, at this point, uh, you know, it, it comes in year in, year out. Is he done? Is he still there? I mean, last year we were saying if he pulls this off, he's he's the goat now. Now he gets the first. No, no, no. I, I, you and I weren't saying that. We weren't saying that. I mean, I still think he has the potential to be the goat. I think he's got to be. Never be better I, than Michael Jordan, but I, I don't want I to think, I I think MJ and LeBron are one A, one B. I really do. I wouldn't put, and I hate having this discussion because this gets so. Uh, old, but I would not put LeBron probably in my top four right now. Really? He's my he, – if you want – it's Michael Jordan one, LeBron two, probably Kareem three, uh, four – I don't know who would be four. It would be somebody not named. It. Not named – let me see. Let me take some shit real quick. Not named four. Not four being not Kobe Bryant, five being Tim Duncan. I would go with LeBron, uh, probably around five. With uh, let, let me, I know I'm working kind of circling here. MJ one, Kareem two, Wilt three, four Magic, five LeBron. I think LeBron's way better than Magic Johnson. I mean, Magic played five positions. I mean, but uh, so can LeBron. Uh, you, you're gonna put him at center? No. I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. Um, but LeBron's had a great career. But I, I'm I'm tired of the the show off the court. You know, I mean, settle down a little bit here, LeBron. Um, you know, the whole this this Space Jam is gonna be a trash movie. Um, you know, and everything that with it, I, I just want to see him bring it back, bring it back to reality a little bit here. It's a bit much. Um, I would, I would probably put magic at four and if not magic at four, a lot of people say magic's better than Larry bird. I think Larry bird is a little underrated, but Timmy at five, Michael Jordan, one, a LeBron one B. What this? I mean, we talk about this all the time, but this will be a lot bigger when LeBron retires. We yeah. could do a whole show. Yeah, and I hate. I that think we should. I, I I ought to kill you right now for leading us down this route, but I won't. Um, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Let's just say it. the Lakers fell off. Take debates. These are. This we we a, talked about. This is a, open. This, this is a stupid. Let me finish. Segment. This is a stupid bit that is on first take every day. I hate hearing these discussions all the time, but you've let us down this stupid rabbit hole. So let's get out while we're ahead and uh, go back to what we're talking about with the NBA playoffs. Um, with uh, 
we, we mentioned the, the Eastern Conference and, uh, and broke that down. Let's, let's talk about the, the West here. Uh, as we're recording this, Phoenix is looking like they're going to pull it off against Denver and go up 2-0 in that series. Um, we mentioned, you know, Phoenix, the way that they dominated the Lakers. This, t- this team did not back down one bit. Um, you know, they showed the intestinal fortitude. Um, you know, they, they did what you love to see. The moment was not too big for them. And that's what it comes down to in the NBA playoffs is the moment not being too big and living up to it. Big-time players making big-time plays and big-time moments. And that's what the Phoenix Suns have done. Whether it's Devin Booker getting his chance and uh, rising to the occasion, Chris Paul bringing his veteran leadership to the table. Monty Williams doing a great job as head coach there. I really like this Phoenix Suns team all around. What they've done, the noise they're making here. Uh, the, the Suns are legit. This is a team that uh, you can make a case. You, you might even say they're the favorites to win the West now. They might be. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Jazz – do donovan mitchell's looking really really good um you know so like i said it'll be interesting to see how the jazz survive the clippers but the suns look like they have a pretty good hold on it right now i mean the, the suns are coming off that lakers victory and i know the lakers were the seventh seed but at the same time it's something else about it and it goes a long ways back from the Suns just get just trashed by the Lakers all the time. So this has been years in the making. So, I mean, the Suns have, the Suns have like a, a vendetta out for the whole league. This is like their year. Um, but I think the jazz have something to say too. I would, I think Jones, honestly, I think it's going to be jazz Suns. And may, that's not too. too bold of a take, but I think it's going to be a hell of a series. No, I picked the Jazz at the beginning of the playoffs to get to the finals, and I'm I'm temp, very tempted to jump ship to Phoenix because of how well Phoenix has played. But you look at the Jazz; they had one rough game there at the very beginning against Memphis, and then they haven't lost a game since. And the way that they've played against. Uh, you know, the Clippers here, and we mentioned with the Clippers barely getting by Dallas, and now what uh, they're putting together. Uh, I'm, I'm impressed with Utah. What we're seeing out of Donovan Mitchell, too. Donovan Mitchell is a heck of a scorer, one of the best scorers in the league, and now his game all around is just coming together here. I mean, it's uh, it's impressive on the part of uh, – of, of Donovan Mitchell and this Utah Jazz team. Quinn Snyder deserves a lot of credit for what he's done to get that team gelling, to be on the same page. Um, there, it wasn't too long ago, Tom, that we were talking about Utah playing spoiler in the Western Conference. You know, they had that coming out party when they knocked out Oklahoma City uh, a few years ago, that Paul George, Russell Westbrook team. And now here they are, and they've stabilized. They're, they're no longer the spoilers. They, they belong with the elite in the NBA here. I mean, they, they, they are something special. I mean, they do have a guy named – last name of Bridges on their team. So, I mean, I don't blame them. But realistically, Denver could 
could give him some heat. I mean, I say that as Phoenix is up one at the time that we're recording this. Phoenix right now in the third quarter is up 69 to 48. Nice. Um, on, so, uh, on six, nine. I day. mean, maybe, you know, here. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing too, though, Denver, and I don't want to make this, I don't, I don't want to give, I don't want to discredit Phoenix. Right. But man, if Denver has Jamal Murray is a little bit different. I think so. I think it's a little bit different because I think Phoenix is doing to Denver right now what the Nets are doing to um, to the Bucks. Well, sure. I, I I mean, if Phoenix goes in, it looks like they're already whooping that ass tonight. I mean, it's midway through the third quarter and Denver didn't even 50 yet. Right, so right, it's right. Like, you know, people wrote off Denver. Their playoffs were over before it started without having Jamal Murray. This team doesn't have a chance. Um, but – in Utah's case, we're talking about Utah here. You're 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 running in a few circles here, Tom. In Utah's case, um, this is a team against the Clippers. Okay, sure. That is a complete basketball team. Uh, Quinn Snyder, with the way that he's coached them, with uh, Donovan Mitchell's emergence, looking like one of the best players in the NBA. I mean, there's been a discussion with Donovan Mitchell if he's an elite player and if he can take things up to the next level, um, almost like what we talk about with quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, and now all he's done is step up and rise the occasion and make himself better here. I mean, it's time to put some respect on Donovan Mitchell's name. I mean, this guy uh, deserves some serious credit as one of the best players in basketball. It's, it's time that people buy in and really give a credit where credit's due with Donovan Mitchell and this Utah Jazz team. They're playing with a chip on their shoulder, and it's working. Yeah, I think it is. I'll tell you what, Jones, I've been a fan of Donovan Mitchell for a, pretty much since he stepped in the league. Um, and I'll even back that up by saying I have about seven Spurs jerseys, and the only other jersey – the ba- only other basketball jersey that I have is a Donovan Mitchell jersey. Um, yes, that was from Amy Smith, our friend in China. Um, but nonetheless, I ordered one because I'm that big of a fan of Donovan Mitchell. I think he's underrated. Um, I think there's a lot of people that, that would even take, you know, lesser players over Donovan Mitchell. But, I mean, the man has a bigger career high than Kevin Durant. So, uh, this he's a scorer. He's a, he's a cold-blooded killer. I'm a believer in Donovan Mitchell just as much as I am. Um, in, in any of the other top players, he, he deserves the respect, doesn't get it yet. I, again, I think they'll beat the Clippers. I think they'll see the Suns, and we're going to see Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell go at it for the in the Western Conference Finals. It's going to be epic. It's uh, it's going to have a feel like those uh, those mid 2000 series of the Suns and the Spurs, in that you have a great defensive team in Utah, which will play the Spurs role. And Phoenix, which a great offensive team, very similar to the Phoenix teams of Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire that we saw. Sean Marion, oh my God, yeah. Right, in the mid-2000s. That's what it's going to remind me of is is those series uh, that we saw, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's going to be dumb. I don't think there's going to be any 120 to 115 games. I think we're looking in, or, you know, early hundreds to like, late 90s type games i mean it's you know the nba has gotten more offensive than he has defensive and i really haven't seen a defensive series like the spurs and the pistons back in the day 
where the games were like 94 to 87 in a long time. Uh, we could be flirting with that a little bit here uh, because, Jones, have you noticed the scores have been f- f- freaking way up there? It's been like 120-115 every game type situation. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's, it's been high. Uh, Jokic wins the MVP. You and I have been calling this for, for weeks that it was his to lose, and uh, he won it running away. Uh, what a year for Jokic. Uh, they, they got it right. It was a pretty easy call to make here. And uh, now you look at him still being relatively young in his career. He was a, he was a second round pick, I believe, uh, you know, if you, looking back and such. I mean, when we talk about stars of the game and such, Jokic, he's the future. I mean, you, you want to look at big men of this league now, in particular at that center position, Jokic is the trendsetter. He's going to be what guys at that size, that level, are going to in, in, uh, aspire to be. Yeah, it is. And this is the first time a, a center has won uh, the MVP since Shaq. So, you know, when we – just when we just when we thought the league was going guard central, uh, we get a big man like Jokic winning, and I think it's great for the league. It balances out a little bit. Uh, it was guard heavy for so long. Uh, we, you know, as fans, we needed this. It needs to be balanced. I mean, sure, you know, for the Shaq days, it was so long with freaking Shaq, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowinski. Like it was so center heavy. So I mean, it's just kind of a balance i mean i think maybe you know with jogic and Embiid and and some of the other bigger cats maybe we get back to the the bigger man heavy uh you know history repeats itself we'll just go back to that for a little bit and and it 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 always balances itself out but i think that's what a little bit what we're seeing um also just the need for a dominant big man i mean sure you you have guards but if you have a dominant big man, it can it can almost at this point, which is weird to say, not being so far removed from the center dominant heavy league or as the big guys league. Um, when you have a big center nowadays and what I like to call the Steph Curry era, um, when you have a big man that can dominate the game like that, not only score and get down low, but can also pass like a Jokic can, uh, even like an Embiid even to that extent. You have, you know, when when you face an opponent, you almost in these days and again the Steph Curry era, you almost have an unorthodox advantage over your opponent because they're so used to playing a guard heavy, guard heavy teams every night. So if you have a Jokic, you can just disrupt whatever flow or game plan the other team is is looking to implement. And so I I think for Jokic, it's a great time to be a big man that can pass and. I mean, I say he can pass and he can get inside. The man can do anything. Yeah, he can. And I think that the the only thing you look at of a player like Jokic, of, you know, when, when you're trying to match up with in the future where there could be an issue, is that guys, they don't all make them like Jokic where they can play both ways. I mean, he's a pretty decent defender. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen so many times where, you know, guys that had good handles offensively as bigs, but couldn't work defensively on the other end, become a liability of some sort. So 
if we're going to see more guys like Jokic in the league, it's got to be both ways. You got to be able to handle on both ends of the floor and not be a liability is, uh, is something to think about uh, for sure. But now I just wonder, you know, we see what he's doing there in Denver and you got Jamal Murray. Um, what's the clock on Denver now? We, we mentioned, you know, with the Clippers and with the Bucks and some of these teams and, you know, Portland, they, they just fired Terry Stotts. They're looking for a new head coach. They're trying to get Damian Lillard and Sidney McCarthy to help and such. What about, you know, Mike Malone uh, almost lost his job after that collapse they went through last year. Um, you know, you only have these guys for a certain amount of time. We've seen Michael Porter Jr. really step up and, and become something of his own, and, and we thought that would happen too. But you have these guys for now. What's the clock for Denver before guys start looking for other options or before they start looking for another coach or something like that? If they go, let's, you know, let's say that they're two, down 2-0 after tonight, and if they don't win this series here, um, you got to think people are wondering about Denver. Okay, when, when, is, uh, when is change coming then? Is it maybe, maybe that's a little too early to even think about to be saying, but – um, you only have so much time with these guys before you can before you lose them and they try something else here. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think it's something to consider. Um, but I mean, I still think they. I mean, Jamal Murray, if he's not injured, what could this Denver team do? Um, and and you know, there's several other players I'd rather have for Jamal Murray, but he, I think he's a perfect fit for Denver. I think Jokic is a perfect fit for Denver. So I think it's so long as you have that too. And then, you know, you mentioned Michael Porter Jr. As long as so long as he starts progressing, uh, I, I think that's a dark horse big three that you don't want to mess with. Uh, Mike Malone, I think, will be fine. I mean, so many people counted this team out as soon as Jamal Murray went down, rightfully so. Uh, but I, I, I think they'll be I think they'll be okay. I, I give them two years, and if they don't make the push in two years or change something, um, then I think that window, I think that window could still be open for a little bit. Everyone's still relatively younger. Uh, it's going to depend on you know salary and contracts. Um, I don't know that situation off the top of my head, um, but I can tell you what Jokic is about to get paid, so you know you have that. But um, maybe they get. A, a, a few more pieces in the offseason or see what they can do. Um, I mean, Denver's a smaller market, sure, but it's not an unlucrative place to play. If I'm an NBA player with no fan biases, I would much rather play in Denver than Oklahoma City or in San Antonio in that little tri-state smaller market area. Yeah. If uh, I had to pick. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at it, uh, it's a hidden gem, you know, Denver is. And uh, uh, I mean, they have every team. Right. Certainly something to, to look at there uh, on that front. So we'll continue the NBA discussion. Uh, we're going to bring in Nancy Lieberman coming up in just a moment, get her thoughts on the playoffs, and also talk about the big three and share some cool stories about, uh, you know, Ice Cube and former President Obama and a few other things when Nancy Lieberman stops by and joins us. Also got Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisor Group coming up in just a few moments. And later on, we'll talk some uh, college football playoff expansion as well as uh, have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. All that and more as we continue. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. 
Well, it's our honor this week to welcome in Basketball Hall of Famer Nancy Lieberman to the Jones Report. Nancy, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Before we hopped on, you were telling me about your dogs that you got from Oklahoma City. Yeah, it's really kind of cool. Uh, when I was doing the TV the first time before I went to, uh, to the NBA in 2015 to coach, I, um, excuse me, <clears throat> I saw these dogs and I called this gal who's a breeder up in Oklahoma city. And she said that, that they're having these and they were beautiful. So I got one. So I named my first dog thunder. And of course I bring thunder back to Dallas and everybody's like, really? You, you didn't name him Maverick. <laughs> and some people like see me and go, how's Maverick? I go, it's thunder. Okay. And then I'm coaching in Sacramento. We lost like seven games in a row. And I called the lady in Oklahoma City. <clears throat> and I said, I've lost seven in a row. I need another Havanese. And <laughs> that's how I got Magic. And Magic was shipped to me out in Sacramento. And so I have the, the two coolest dogs from Oklahoma City. That is awesome. Uh, that, is, that is too cool. And you showed me pictures. Just adorable, uh, those uh, two dogs are. And uh, right from the... Uh, the right place there in uh, Oklahoma City. Nancy, tell me what y'all you've been up to. Uh, you got the big three coming up here pretty soon. Uh, you've been doing the uh, TV work with uh, Bally Sports Oklahoma, Bally Sports Southwest, covering the NBA. Uh, you're, you're keeping uh, pretty busy. You still got your camps and stuff going on. What's all going on in your world? Well, you hit it. The most important thing is, uh, you know, we did all the games for Oklahoma City uh, for Valley Sports this year. And we just love uh, what we saw. Coach uh, Dagnall is amazing. Uh, I'm a super fan of how he, you know, connects with his players. And, you know, I think they were the third youngest team in the NBA. So it was fun to watch the development of, of Teo and, you know, Poku and um, Bays and, you know, SDA, when he comes back, he's going to be, you know, he's, he'll be an all-star next year is my prediction. So <clears throat> I'm just excited about, you know, being a part of it again. And it, like I said, it was fun to watch young people play so hard and never quit. And, and that's something we should teach our kids for generations to come. I also did uh, some Pelicans games, uh, actually ended up leaving the Pelicans to go full time and, uh, and do Thunder. And now I'm getting ready for the big three. Uh, we had our combine uh, last week. And then we had a combine here in Dallas that, you know, I put uh, our player, the players who were trying, it's like America's Got Talent. You're, you know, Ice Cube lowered the age and it's 22 years old now and you don't have to have played in the NBA. And the talent that we saw in Washington, D.C. and here in Dallas was unbelievable. Ten of those players got invited to the combine in um, Las Vegas. So we went there for the lottery Thursday the combine was Friday. Team Power, my team, we, we have the third pick in the first round, the first pick in the second round, which is great for us. I mean, it's a blessing because uh, I need two players. Uh, I had three guys retire, Birdman, Quentin Richardson, and the MVP, Corey McGetty. So apparently I'm going to have to coach this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my players were when we won the championship in 2018. I mean, I just had stalwarts you know, guys who were dedicated, focused, and knew what they want, you know, uh, what to do and how to be a professional. So I'm looking forward to, to my third year in the league. Um, I love, you know, I love the NBA. I love, to, I, I love being around basketball. My son is playing for Maccabi Tel Aviv. Uh, he's now, they won the Israeli championship. Now I'm a mom. He's now in the semifinals of the winner's league. Uh, 
uh, he's in the finals. They have two or three games and then he's home. And I haven't seen him since September. So I'm really excited to see my kid. And then we have basketball camps and big three and everything else hoops related. It sounds like a lot. It's certainly exciting stuff going on in your world, it seems, Nancy. And uh, we'll talk about the big three in a moment. But first, I just want to get your perspective on the uh, NBA playoffs. Uh, what's been your biggest takeaway so far to this point from what you've seen? Uh, the biggest takeaway that Luca is a star of stars. You know, he could play against anybody. He just needs some supporting cast in Dallas. You know, Rick Carlisle is, is one of the best coaches in the league and very experienced and they they just didn't have the the cumulative uh, support uh, to beat the Clippers. Um, I'm looking at the Jazz. I love the Jazz and how they play. Uh, Coach Snyder is unbelievable. Uh, they got guys who have tremendous buy-in. And as Doc Rivers once told me, I said, how, how is it that you're such a great defensive coach? And he says, I have Kevin Garnett. So if you have that guy at the rim, he has Joel Embiid right now at the rim. If you have somebody who could command your defense, your defense translates into offense. And it just changes the whole flow of the game when you're in transition. So, and if you can stop people or make people think on offense, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't take that shot because I'm going to get it blocked or changed. So uh, uh, the Hawks for me, was like a wow. Um, I love what what Trey Young has done. Bogdanovich is better than people think. We drafted him in Sacramento when I was there, and he stayed in uh, in Europe for a couple more years. And he's six six. He's a shooter. Um, he's not afraid. These Euros are not afraid of any of our guys in the league. And you know, you just saw that with Djokovic winning the, the MVP. They're skilled. They're strong. They've been pros since they were 14, 15 years old. And they've been through these wars. And they're really great team players as well. All right. We, we had a little technical issues, but nonetheless, uh, we, uh, we'll move over to the phone line now with uh, Nancy. And, uh, and Nancy, I want to ask you about the Phoenix Suns. This team, uh, the way that they did it back down against the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers with one of the best players in the world, LeBron James. And, you know, the, the way that Monty Williams has coached this team and – Devin Booker stepping up, Chris Paul with his veteran leadership coming alive. What a story for them. And then to win game one against the Nuggets, what have you made of what this uh, team has put together here? Well, I, I truly believe that, you know, with Monty Williams coaching, it's a whole different mindset. He has just an extraordinary way of getting players to think the same way and to see through to their goals. I mean, we saw that in Oklahoma City, and they're responding. But I do want to say something about this team. We had a glimpse of them in the bubble last year where they went undefeated. I think they were 8-0 possibly, 8 or 9-0. And what they did during the course of the season, you know, to, to win 51 games, uh, you know, whatever they are now, 51 and 21, but they have really great balance, not only from their bench, but from their starters. And one of the keys is Chris Paul. Everywhere Chris Paul has gone, he has made people better. He's made Devin Booker better. He's made uh, Aiton better. He's made Bridges. And, and certainly Jay Crowder has just become the ultimate 
role player for a team. And, you know, I can remember coaching him probably in 2015 uh, at, you know, NBA coaches camp. And he's come so far, his work ethic, his demeanor, being able to knock down big baskets at, at crucial times in a game. And then you have the players coming off the bench, the young players, you know, Cameron Payne, uh, another OKC guy. So with the coaching and the, the level of talent, it's not a surprise and they play both ends of the floor. It's uh, remarkable. And when you look at those four teams remaining in the West, uh, who, who do you like out of that group? Uh, do, you, do you like Phoenix, or is it one of the other three uh, that, that you think is going to ultimately end up in the finals? Well, ultimately, I think the Western Conference finals very well could be Utah and the Suns. Uh, I think that they'll battle for a chance for a championship. And... You know, I, I I love what's happening in in the East, uh, but the Nets right now are the class of the field. I mean, unfortunately, look at, or fortunately, look what they're doing to Milwaukee, and um, I, I I think it'll be the Nets and Philadelphia, and that's going to be what a battle that's going to be, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's certainly really exciting, and and you know, heck. Um, the ratings are up. Uh, going back to the Suns, I mean, who would have thought Chris Paul would have had the second most votes in the MVP race? You know, I think he, he no, nah, maybe he had the third. I think it was uh, Jokic, uh, Curry, and then Chris Paul. He, he had a heck of a season. He did. He did. And uh, when you look at, you know, Jokic stepping up, we mentioned Devin Booker, uh, the way Donovan Mitchell's come together. I mean, the, the, we talked about Luca, Luca, Trey Young earlier too. A lot of young, newer players in the league having their moments. Are, are we in the midst, Nancy, of seeing a, a changing of the guard of sorts in the NBA right now? It, you know what? Uh, when you lose enough and get enough uh, lottery picks and balls in the hopper, after a while, those lottery picks have got to translate. I mean, look, remember the process in Philadelphia for all those years? Mm -hmm. Look at the enormous amount of talent they were able to draft. Same thing with the Suns. And it's just exciting to see these teams battling it out and taking advantage of where they are right now um, in the game. Everybody has an opportunity for something special. Uh, Denver has been close to being in the mix for a long time. I mean, Mike Malone is a hell of a coach. Uh, he really is. I mean, between the, some of the coaches that are still remaining, it's it's really great. And, and think about Steve Nash. You know, he has Dan Tony right next to him. So he has a proven veteran coach. But Steve's letting his talent play. It's a player's league. And if you're, you are you, you got Kyrie and you have Joe Harris and you have – Durant and, and Harden, let your guys play. Call timeouts when you need it. Run some out of bounds or dead ball plays. But for the most part, these guys have such a wealth of experience. It's almost like they're player coaches on the floor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that Brooklyn team there, uh, we, we didn't see their big three uh, play together a whole lot in the regular season. But here they have in, in the postseason just, just gelled the way that they have and you know, with Harden at point guard, Kyrie at shooting guard, seems like that's been working well. Are, are you surprised at all how, how fast this team has clicked together on a short notice? Honestly, no. 
No. I mean, they might have clicked together with the same name on their jersey, but these guys work out together. They know each other. They play on USA teams together. They know each other's games really, really well. So, no, I'm not surprised on any level of the success that they're having. Yeah, uh, they've been a lot of fun, uh, it seems, at this point. Uh, the, we mentioned some of those West teams uh, that, that we like and how well they're playing. Do you think any of them uh, have what it takes to compete with the Nets if they were to, to get to the finals and take on that Brooklyn team? You know, uh, as far as I know, these guys are paid professionals, and they want to win, and they will do whatever it takes. I mean, this is Philadelphia's time. They have a championship coach who understands that moment. Uh, same thing, you know, in, with the Nets. They have two players who have won championships in, in, in KD and in uh, Kyrie. Uh so there's enough on both sides to understand what's at stake. And, and it's going to come down to execution and following a game plan and just being not afraid of the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, that, that is a great point. Nancy Lieberman, Basketball Hall of Famer, joining us here on the uh, Jones Report this week. Uh, Nancy, I w- want to ask you about the uh, big three that you're going to be a part of uh, once again. Uh Tell us uh, what what uh, this year holds as uh, you guys return. I believe you guys took the year off last year due to COVID, and now you're back at it uh, bigger than ever. We are, and we're excited to be back and to uh, to get on the court. It was great to be with uh, with Ice Cube and all the other guys, and you know, just for for us uh, on a friendship level, you know, to to spend time with Gary Payton or Reggie Theus or Rick Barry. Uh, you know, Dr. J, George Gervin, you're talking about the history of the, the game. We love being around each other, and we love being around the players, to be quite honest. So um, there's new players coming in. You know, Jared Jack is going to be in the league this year. A lot of guys are recruiting their friends heavily and trying to get them to uh, to commit to playing for a year or two, like Joe Johnson did, like Corey Maggetti and Katino Mobley did uh, for us. It's exciting, and they, they have name recognition. So the season starts um, – oh, let me let me go back a step. Uh, the draft is on the 14th. It's next week, and there's two rounds to the draft. And uh, Team Power, my team, uh, when we were in Vegas Thursday, you know, we have the third pick in the first round and the first pick in the second round, which is always helpful. And the first, uh, the first game is July 10th. The first five weeks are in Las Vegas. If y'all want to go on vacation, come to Vegas, come watch uh, some big three games in person, although the games will be on CBS on Saturdays. And after five weeks, we're going to go to New Orleans, and we'll play New Orleans for three weeks. And then the last week of August, first week of September, are the semifinals and the finals, and those are in um, at Atlantis in the Bahamas. And we're playing for a lot of money, and we're playing for a lot of status. And it's exciting, you know. Uh, a lot of these guys have never won a championship. And no matter where you play it, you're playing against tough competition. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. And uh, th- these guys that are, are taking part of this, I think we all wondered what the big three was going to turn into. And the way that this has stabilized and taken off and – and all the players that had been a part of this, Nancy, uh, d- did you guys think you were going to get to this point when you when you jumped on board? Did this surpass your expectations of 
where the league was going to go? Because, I mean, you guys have made some big strides, but are, are, are still growing, it seems. Well, it did for me because um, I came to a game in Dallas the first year of the league and was blown away that there was, you know, 18,000 people at America West um, Arena and just the whole hype and the vibe in the building and the, the star quality of the players. It was, it was pretty impressive, uh, to say the least. And then my first year in 2018 was just a dream come true. You know, we go, we only lost one game and we win the championship. Uh, and it was really, again, it was pretty cool. We're playing at the Barclays Center in front of, you know, 17,000 people. It's sold out. It's on Fox at the time and millions of people were watching on Fox and to be able to go up on the podium with all the confetti coming down and have ice cube hand you the championship trophy for your, your players. Um, it was amazing. Uh, truly amazing. You know, coaching guys that I admired throughout their careers, um, big baby Davis, Birdman, um, Quentin Richardson, you know, the MVP, Corey Maggette and, and certainly, uh, Katino Mobley, and Xavier Silas, um, you know, I was blessed with an amazing team. And so I'm glad to be back, and I'm looking forward to, to you know, all of us competing. Uh, it extends a player's career and then lets them morph into whatever the next part uh, of their life they're going to go into. Yeah, for sure. Now, people, I'm sure, are very curious to know, Nancy, uh, with you working with Ice Cube, these uh these last several years what's your best ice cube story my best ice cube story we were doing a national media tour so we were sitting there for like five hours you know on a chair and it, his wife kimberly was there and uh a couple things i asked him i said how'd you get your name ice cube and he goes well you know there was like refrigerators that you know sometimes people discard and put out on their front you know for the you know uh people to pick up and, and, and trash them and he said my brother said to me don't get don't hide in a refrigerator because you'll end up you know like an ice cube you know you'll either get stuck in it or you know how that goes they put freezers out there so he that's how he got his nickname and my other story <laughs> we were on the phone and we were you know he and I during the whole you know pandemic we stayed close with each other and he says he calls me an L and he also calls me a spirit animal which I think is awesome and he goes NL let me call you back I got somebody here to fix the fence and I go w what do you mean he goes ah my turtle keeps getting out and I went excuse me he goes I have a tortoise it's a big honking you know turtle I go wait a minute you're one of the most iconic rappers entrepreneurs in the whole world and you don't have a pit bull? He goes, no. He goes, I have a turtle named Larry. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm going to have to tell people you have a turtle. <laughs> we just started laughing, and I saw him last week, and I go, how's Larry? Um, and he just started laughing, you know. I've seen those things. They're huge, and they can live for, like, 90 years. Uh, but he is one of the coolest, most amazing guys fathers, husbands, entrepreneurs, he's just gifted, you know, as a movie star, everything he touches is just phenomenal. And it's an honor to work for him. Oh, I'm sure. I've met him a couple times and uh, he's just first class. And 
Uh, very humble, too. I think that might catch some folks off guard uh, when, when you mention Ice Cube just being that way. But he's phenomenal. A few more things before I let you go, Nancy. I, I want to ask you about just the, the state of women's basketball right now, the, the growth of the game we've seen. The WNBA uh, has really taken some big strides the last couple of years. Uh, the women, women's college basketball uh, this year put on a heck of a tournament, it seemed, as well. I know you've been uh, a big part of where – women's basketball is today what what do you make of just uh where the WNBA and where the college game is at right now it's in great hands I mean when you have players you know like Della Don and Brittany Griner and Bird and uh, you know Sabrina and FQ and all those young phenomenal players mixed with the, the savvy veterans of the game uh the ratings are up you know, certainly um, they got a, a great jolt of energy with their stance last year and, and being, you know, just leaders in change and, you know, advocating for things that they they thought were important to them um, and to, you know, our country. And, you know, you got to tip your hat that, you know, Commissioner uh, Adam Silver is such an advocate for, for freedom of speech and, they want to know what you're thinking and feeling, and they don't. They don't want to suppress what you're feeling. And when you know that your commissioner, you know Kathy Engelberg and Adam uh, Silver, are 100 percent behind you, you have that freedom of speech and freedom of thought. And you know, not everybody has to agree with you, but at least it's America, and we should be able to say what we feel and have those conversations. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. That's a, that's great to see. And, and, uh, and with you, with your role and, and seeing those, like, you know, what we've seen with Doris Burke, what she's done on the, on the uh, broadcast side of the ESPN. And, and to me, it's so fascinating to see people like you and Doris and others have such a impact on the men's game too. You know, Candace Parker has been tremendous covering, you know, the, the NBA as well. I mean, tell me about that. It just, uh, what it's been like to st- be active and uh, represent women, not only in the, the women's game, but be such a big part of the men's game as well. I mean, that's that's inspiring stuff uh, for for men and women out there, uh, Nancy. Uh, re- re- really remarkable on your part what you've done to really be a trendsetter for the game. Well, it only seems right philosophically that if men can coach women, if men can broadcast women's games – if men can motivate women, why can't we do that? You know, conversely, why can't we coach men? Um, you know, why shouldn't I be interviewed or Becky or Kara Lawson or other deserving coaches who have given their life to this game? Why shouldn't we be interviewed for, for head coaching jobs or coaching jobs in the NBA? We shouldn't be just one and done and locked in to WNBA or women's college basketball. We should have that opportunity on both sides, just like our, our friends, our, our male counterparts. So uh, it just takes really great people to open those doors. And, and that's, that's process and that's change. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Uh, people get comfortable where they are. And once that door is open, you get a chance to see. It's like I tell people, you can hire me. And if I don't do a good job, fire me. Uh, but I might surprise you. So you might as well let me go for the interview and just see what it is that's in 
in my mind and in my brain? And is it something that, that measures up to what your belief system is uh, in, in football, baseball, basketball, you know, uh, the NFL? Uh, I might look different than you. And, you know, President Obama, when I, when I was coaching in 2011 and actually got the first head coaching job in a men's NBA, you know, the umbrella league with the, the G League and the Texas Legends. And, you know, President Obama invited me to the White House and we're talking and he goes, Nancy, I'm really proud of you. He goes, look, I have been a, a black man my whole life. I, I know this. Okay, I just happen to be president of the United States. You just happen to be a white woman coaching in a men's league. You've been a white woman your whole life. It's normal for us. It's our job to make it normal to the rest of the world. And and that was pretty pathetic, you know, what, what he was saying. He was spot on in saying sometimes when things look different, they make you uncomfortable. But I am not scared. I am not uncomfortable to do TV or to share. You know, I've been at this for, for 40 years. I'm not the flavor of the month. Um, I, I've known the history of our game as much as any male. And I just I just need an opportunity. Becky, Ginny Busick, uh, Kara Lawson, some of the others. We just need a chance. That's a... Uh... Amazing. Uh, Nancy, you're an inspiration. Uh, I, I love having you on. You're welcome back anytime. Last question is, we'll, we'll leave on this. Do you think we'll see a, uh, a female head coach in the NBA or the college uh, level uh, sometime in the, in the very near future? Do you think it's going to happen sooner than later? Uh, I do. I do think it'll happen sooner than later because when Adam Silver, when boss man – greatest commissioner in sports says he would like to see that happen. It's not just for optics. He believes this. I mean, there are women CEOs running major corporations. There are women, you know, in leadership. Why, you know, my job is to, to win and my job is to help take my players to the next level of their career and get them to their second, third, fourth contracts. That means I've done my job and be a good person all in the process and and actually care about my players as human beings, just not as assets. And that's been, you know, the secret sauce for me. So can it happen? Yes. Will it happen? I'm hopeful. Nancy, incredible stuff. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, we'll be certainly rooting you on and team power in the big three uh, coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, thanks for joining us. Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can check out O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. Also, check out their Facebook page and reach out to Bo by email, brian.o'connor at lpl.com. That's brian.o'connor at lpl.com by phone, 785-856-0720-856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Brian O'Connor joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing this week? Hey, we're doing great, man. Thanks. It's been a, this has been a little bit of a rugged week. We're trying to, I think we're squeezing this in an unusual time for us, but uh, thank you for being flexible and come back in. So, so, no doubt. Times are good. Busy. We're... We're staying strong and uh, lots of stuff going on. So, yeah. 
Well, let's go ahead and get right after it, Bo. Julio Jones is now a member of the Tennessee Titans. The Titans had to give up a second-round pick to get it done. What do you think of what the Titans pulled off? Well, they were the team I was thinking was going to get him. That was the team all along. I thought that's the best fit. Uh, gets him out of the NFC for the Falcons. Um, I think this makes the Tennessee Titans a legit contender for the Super Bowl. Um, I think that he is the perfect guy for that fit, for that offense. Um, they, they've already got a deep threat. Julio's a guy who can both beat you, beat you deep, but he also runs routes like nobody else. Um, Tannehill's going to love it. It keeps an extra guy, an extra defender out of the box. Man, Derrick Henry's going to like that. He's not going to face as many eight-man boxes anymore. This is exactly what the, tech, what the Titans needed. It puts them in contention to play in the Super Bowl. It puts them, to me, it puts them as the second favorite in the AFC behind the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, you look at their arsenal now. I believe they have a franchise quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. Derrick Henry is the best running back in the league right now. you got two all-pro caliber receivers here. How does their weapons compare to other teams' weapons in the NFL? It seems like they're as good as anybody. Well, I think that if you look I, – I, I just want to look at the, the, the teams at the top. I think they're second to the Chiefs. I really do. I think if you look at just the offense – now, Tannehill's nowhere near what Mahomes is. But Tannehill and how they play their offense, how they run their offense, is perfect for what their coach uh, – they want to run the football. They want to hit you with big plays down the field to open up that run game. They want to kind of muddy the waters to play good defense. That, I mean, Julio Jones is perfect. I mean, this is the team – this is the one move that team could have made in June – that can change the whole landscape. As far as the weapons, they're stacked. Now, they did lose uh, Janu Smith to, um, to the Patriots. I don't know what they're going to do at tight end yet, but Julio makes a lot of the routes you would run with a tight end. You can run out of the slot and use an extra tight end as a blocker. So I really like this. I think this is a really great move. And if they have someone – that they really like it tight end. Um, that's just, and they're not going to They have someone who's solid, can block these short, uh, short matchups. They're going to be really good. Um, I just, I think this fits Ryan Tannehill's skills. I don't, like I said earlier, I don't think he's a tippy top upper echelon quarterback. He's not a, a Patrick Mahomes, Lamar. Jack, but he's the next level down that you can still absolutely win a Super Bowl with. And I really like this. I really like what they've done. I think it's the best pickup this offseason. We look at Julio Jones. He's going to be in year 10, I believe. At this point, how much do you think Julio realistically has in the tank? What's Tennessee getting out of Julio Jones at, at a prime level here? I think they'll get at least two or three seasons. Um, Julio's a guy that's – you do tend to see receivers kind of come back a little bit once they get to year 10, 11. I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's going to be difficult. He's not going to be the best receiver, best of Julio Jones, but they're getting 90% of what Julio Jones in his prime is, which is better than 95% of the people who are out there. 
And I just, I, I, I'm kind of gushing over this one. I, I think that he's still got some in the tank. I have good seasons left in him. I think the fact they have a run game helps. The fact they have a quarterback who's not afraid to throw the ball when they want to throw it, but it's not going to try to throw the ball 50 times. Um, I think they've got, they've got another young receiver out wide who's, you know, he's happy as hell because now he's not going to face any double coverage. Nightmare. This is like when you're dealing with the Chiefs with Hill and um, Kelsey, except instead of it being a tight end, you've got Julio Jones who's going to play in the slot. They're going to move him all around the field in different formations, but that's also going to help the run game. Now you've created the motion they'll run out. Out of it, holes with formations. Julio Jones can block for a wide receiver. He's exceptional at blocking. That's going to create some stuff for Derrick Henry. I, I think Derrick Henry's rushing numbers will come down. I think his carries will come down, maybe by ten or fifteen percent. So it may affect Derrick Henry's fantasy numbers if you're a fantasy person. But better. Oh yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that, and. When you look at, you mentioned game planning for the Titans now. We know they love to run the football and how effective that they are. And now you have these two receivers that you can't double team uh, now. What do you do if you're a defensive coordinator going up against this Titans offense? You're going to have to go and look. The first few weeks are going to be a nightmare. For the first few weeks, you're going to see a lot of zone. You're going to see a lot of too, too deep zone with maybe doing some under stuff with, you know, putting a linebacker with some get with some press coverage from a, from one of the other safeties on Julio. He's in weeks. You'll start looking for tendencies to see, okay, well, where do the Titans want to throw to Julio? What formations do they want to feature here and there? Um, the tendencies will pick up then. The first few weeks will be the issue. It'll be the issue of, Okay, how do we match up? So you'll have to get real uh, some bracket coverages on the whoever the inside guy is between the two receivers. And the way you do that, if you're the Titans, is you're going to bunch them. You're going to see some green receiver sets, I think, where you bunch them. That makes the bracket harder. Or you're going to put them on separate sides. Put them on separate sides, and then you can run the ball more. Uh, is a coach, the defensive coordinator, this is a nightmare. Yeah, I, the, we talked last season about the Titans were the one team everybody feared because if you had to play their game, you can't win. If they full-scoring, slug-it-out game, it's very difficult to beat them. Well, now they can still force you in like, put the big moose in the backfield, but now they have the ability to score quickly. I. Man, I, I know we talked offline about it last week. I, I said I liked the idea of them getting, getting Julio Jones. And, and if, the, if the odds are there, I'd bet on them to win the Super Bowl. I don't think they will. I'm not predicting that. But I'm saying it was the odds right. They're still in the 20-somethings. Get it, because that's a team that can do it. Yeah, they can certainly make some noise. Uh, to me, they're the second favorite in the AFC now. Yeah. Yeah, rightfully so. Maybe to me, the second favorite overall. Yeah, I could certainly see that. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, Green Bay. The uh, Packers, uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, not showing up for the team's 
mandatory minicamp. This is the first thing that's mandatory he won't be at. Uh, his teammates are backing him up. Devontae Adams saying that uh, they support their quarterback. Aaron's their guy and such. And uh, the Packers, if they want to, could fine Aaron Rodgers $90,000 for each day he misses. How do you think this is ultimately going to go? Do you think Aaron eventually shows up? Do the Packers issue those fines? What is going to go down here, Bo? So Aaron Rodgers made more money last weekend doing an autograph signing for Fanatics than he's paying in fines. Yeah. Um, it don't matter. He's not going to be there for many camp. He, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be at training camp. He may be a few days late. Get there. I don't see him holding out of training camp. But I do think that, uh, you know, they're going to find him. Fine. I mean, whatever. I mean, it, it doesn't matter to Aaron Rodgers. It was like $90,000. Yeah. Somebody, you and I, but to Aaron Rodgers, that's not much. Like I said, he made more money from fanatics last time than he did going to, going to sleep. So, I mean, what is the, what's the difference? And we've seen some people, I was pulling up, he mentioned offline a little bit too, that, uh, you know, on, on, on FS1, Marcellus Wiley's saying, um, was it, I'm giving Aaron from one of his teammates. No, they're not. Everybody in that locker room knows the score. Everyone in that locker room knows that they're not even a playoff team without Rodgers, the quarterback. Everyone in that room knows that everything runs through him. He's the guy. He's the most important player in the history of that franchise moving forward. He's the most important person in the history of the Packers other than Vince Lombardi. Mm-hmm. And, and his teammates know that. That's all that matters. What do I think is going to happen? He ain't going anywhere until, until training camp. He's not going to show up till the day of, and he's going to make it a mystery the whole time, too. He's not going to guarantee to be there. And that's fine. I, I don't see the problem here. I, I'm fully in Aaron Rodgers' side on this one. I, there, I do not feel like he is in the wrong here. I don't feel like – I feel like we're – I think this is a bigger story than it really is. We're making a bigger story than it really is. I think that this is pretty much pretty loves the quarterback in 2022 anyway. Go ahead and get him out there and play, let him do the, the mini camp, the training camp. Well, even if everything was in paradise, if all things were good, um, does he even need to be there? Is there any benefit of Aaron Rodgers going to minicamp in these things? I mean, it, it makes no difference whatsoever whether he's there or not, even if things were good. It's the fact that we, we're, we're talking about the relationship thing here. Here's the benefit. The benefit is this, and this is something that Tom Brady does really well. The benefit of it is the young guys who are coming in, those guys who are the fourth, fifth round guys a year, and they're trying to hold on to a roster spot. They get to know him. You know, if he's making a concerted effort, I know Brady does that kind of thing. You know, if Rodgers is doing that at, at minicamp, then there's a benefit to that. But I just don't see what the benefit is of him being there. I, it, does, is there some benefit? Sure. But there's no disability, so to speak, of him not being there. Like I said, it may help the Packers long term if he's not there, because now Jordan loves getting reps, because the Packers better know what they've got there. So, 
I think it's a lot of talk about nothing. I think this whole thing is going to be that Rodgers plays in Green Bay in 2021. And at the end of the season, he's trying to either Denver or the Raiders. Yeah, certainly could see that. Uh, we'll see ultimately what happens. Uh, your team, the Saints, uh, they got a quarterback competition uh, ahead of them with the uh, uh, likes of Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill to replace Drew Brees. And uh, both of them spoke highly of each other uh, on Tuesday, insisting that they'll be supporting each other in their battle to become the next quarterback there. Bo, last year when Drew Brees went down, everybody assumed that Jameis Winston was going to be the guy. And sure enough, we did not see him. We saw Taysom Hill in that role, and, and Taysom Hill did not play that great. How do you see this ultimately going down? Is it going to be Taysom or is it going to be Jameis Winston or is it too early to tell? I have two minds about this. Um, the slash coach of me says it has to be Jameis Winston. The reason being is that you know that after this season, Taysom Hill's contract is voided, and he is not going to be there unless you can void it and then re-sign him. Taysom Hill's not a quarterback. He's a tight end. He is – he loved Tim Tebow. And I, I thought the Saints made a huge mistake last year with playing Taysom Hill at quarterback. I do understand what they did with, you know, what he does bring as far as some of the Wildcat actions. Some of the Saints, I like that in the red zone. I like it inside the five yard. I see a problem with that. But I don't think Taysom Hill is an NFL quarterback at 31 or 32 years old, how old he is. He's in his early 30s now. He's not a quarterback already starting. He's not going to start anywhere. Jameis Winston, this is his last chance. This is his last chance to be a starting quarterback. And everything I've ever heard about Jameis is works hard. He is extremely smart in football sense. On the board, understanding defenses and everything else, he's just needed to mature. I understand he's now married. He's got a little family now. In years, you've seen a different Jameis Winston on the side under Drew Brees. I think the Saints will make a huge mistake in making this a quarterback controversy or a quarterback uh, challenge at all. I think the best thing the Saints can do is make Jameis Winston the starting quarterback and tell T Taysom Hill, you are a string quarterback, but you're not going to be in the quarterback room. Instead, we need you in the tight end room. We need you learning how to block, how to run routes, these sort of things where we can play you and put you in the position. He is a Swiss Army knife. Well, and, and to add to that, too, you are paying him enough money. There shouldn't be any hurt feelings about it. None. Yeah, exactly. You're paying him $16 million this year. And if Taysom Hill has a problem with not being the quarterback, then you know what? We're going to have to cut you. I mean, straight up, just cut him. I don't think that's an issue. I think what they're both saying, both Jameis and Taysom, is sincere. I think they're both are rooting for each other. I think some of it is that they know that, yeah, Jameis is the guy. And Jameis should be the guy. Um, who's the know or who's to say if he's the guy long term? We won't know that till the season starts and we get into the season. Uh, I'm rooting for James Winston. I have always liked James Winston, even in town. Tampa. I just, you know, he had a little problem there at FSU at the end and, you know, the little thing in the 
corridor yelling some, some things he shouldn't have been yelling. And then he, you know, had the 30 interception season. And I liken that to the old days of the Kenny Stabler and the uh, Terry Bradshaw years of if you go receptions, they're not five yards down the field. They're 30 and 40 yards down the field. They're punts. Right. They're punts. Well, I can, I can forgive some of that. Now, I can't forgive 30, but I can forgive 10 of them for doing that. So I don't tend to hold him that responsible on that piece. I also think that it was in a really poor situation for him at that time. You know, a coach that really didn't want him there, a situation where he was, you know. A coach that was forcing him to throw the football down the field. And I feel like he didn't want to do. I mean, we know that Jameis is, I mean, he's kind of a rain man when it comes to the the understanding defenses. He's just not been in a great situation. I, I really want him to be successful, not just as a Saints fan, but as someone who is a fan of Jameis Winston. The man, and uh, I like to see him be successful. I think it's a good fit all around. I think that what's happened with him under Drew Brees has been great. He signed a one-year deal this year. That shows me a little more maturity as well. You know, I, oh, Sean Payton needs this. Uh, as a Saints fan, I'm a little frustrated that Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis have been given this much rope when they won a Super Bowl ten years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's kind of you need to get it together time. And I think that Jameis goes a long way in that. If they can do develop shows me something. If not, if I was the owner of the New Orleans Saints, it might be time to erase the chalkboard from Katie. All right. One more question before we let you go, Bo. We got just a little bit of time left. Yeah. Uh, news uh coming out of the NFL this week that they're exploring uh expanding the international series to Germany. We know they already have games in England that they've been doing for a decade now. Mexico City is getting a game or two every year. Do you like this expansion of more international games and more games in Europe? I don't dislike it. I think that the NFL does a responsible job of making sure that usually those teams that go to Europe get the bye week right after. So they get their bye right after. They transition into being home and that sort of stuff. The NFL needs to find a way to expand globally. Uh, it's hugely popular is here. We know that, you know, for not just the sake of sports, but for television, it's number one here. It has that opportunity. If you just look at what like the NBA has done in China, I mean, there's, there's a want for American sports and I don't see a problem with it. I, I don't see an issue with playing one game over there, even two. I mean, you can play Germany, France. I, I don't care. I, I, again, the responsible thing of giving these teams the bye week the week after, I think is, is fine. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's yeah. a I think even, you could even get away with it if those teams played on a Thursday and then played the following week. So, like, they had Thursday, and then you go over and play, and you come back. But there's some ways you can do that. Give them time to get there and get back. You have a different time change that can screw up schedules. It, it screws up schedules when teams go from the far west, far west to the far east right now, and invites for person. So, um, yeah, I think that would be the biggest issue. But they, they want to grow their game globally. And to do that, that's the one place they can. They're already maxed up for TV money here in America. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're certainly right about that. He's Brian O'Connor. You can check him out at uh, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com, O-A-G-K-S.com as well. Bo, I know we got to run a little bit early today, but thanks for the time as always, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, thank you, Todd. Y'all have a great week. A couple more things before we wrap up the show today. The college football playoff, according to Pete Thamel, is being looked at expanding beyond just eight teams. Tom, there was kind of this belief of sorts that – when the playoff contract is up, which is going to be very soon here, that the expansion would occur and that expansion would be eight teams. I think we all had this belief of sorts that we would see the playoff gradually grow. We see it go from four teams to eight teams and eventually to 16 teams, one contract at a time of sorts. But now, according to Thamel, it sounds like that the conferences and the powers that be are saying, why go ahead and wait? Why wait on growth and expansion of a step-by-step process? Why don't we just go ahead and skip eight altogether and go straight to 12 teams? And you may be wondering, how would 12 teams work? Essentially, if you're a top four seed you would get a buy in the first round. And then the first round would consist of the other eight teams and they would get to play home games in those first round games of sorts there. So there is a reward for being a top four seed that you get a playoff buy and you get a advantage of sorts, not having to play uh, a first round game and you expand the field in the process. Now, you may be saying to yourself here, well, even with an expanded playoff, Alabama and Clemson are still likely to dominate and still win this playoff and be in contention every year. Well, that is probably true, probably valid that Clemson and Alabama in any format are going to be up towards the top of the food chain. That is true. But why not go ahead and have more seats at the table? You know, I was listening to our friend of the show, Tim Brando, talk today. And Brando mentioned a good point that, you know, college football, a a sport that I love dearly, and I know you do, Tom, uh, my favorite sport on the planet, is not in a good state right now um, compared to what it was even just four or five years ago, you know, fresh off the BCS, when we went to the playoff, there was so much excitement, so much energy and passion around the sport to have this playoff. And, and that first year, the ratings were incredible. The, the games were just great to see. And then as Alabama and Clemson have just dominated this thing, it's lost its luster. It's lost its glory of sorts. It's become predictable. And with 12 teams, uh, expand the party a bit. It becomes less predictable with more invitees to the party. I mean, you go into every college football season knowing, okay, Alabama and Clemson are going to win their conference. Ohio State, Oklahoma will probably win their conference too. And then we're going to try to figure out playoff teams. And there's a good chance those four teams are in. And, okay, who's going to possibly knock them out? Is it going to be a Notre Dame and just see them lose by 30 to somebody? Um, Does a Pac-12 team make some noise potentially and crack the party to only lose in the first round? I mean, it's become predictable. And so 
what we've seen is the sports become regionalized as a result of that, where Alabama and Clemson, those Southern teams, are taking so much of the energy out of the sport that people on the West Coast and the Northeast and such don't care because they don't have teams involved. And for college football to get back to what it was just a couple years ago, this sport has to evolve, has to get back to reaching the entire country, not just being a regional sport. And the best way you do that is to have more invitees involved. I know we love making fun of the Pac-12 on this show, but really one of the best things that could happen for college football right now is if a Pac-12 team like, let's say, USC or Oregon or somebody like that could be competitive, could contend for titles. That would be great for the sport. Um, you know, Big Ten teams besides Ohio State. You know, Oklahoma winning a playoff game. Texas being involved in the equation of some sorts. It's got to be more than just Alabama, these SEC teams, and Clemson. And the way you do that is you expand the party and and get more national interests of some sort. Twelve teams. Um, I'm in favor of that. Uh, I like I like the idea of eight. I, I'll be happy with expansion, but you give me the idea of twelve. Boys, let's have at it. Yeah, we might as well. I mean, hell, remember the – I don't know. I'm trying to think. Obviously not last year, but the year before, it was Alabama versus Michigan. Why couldn't that have been a playoff game? I mean, take some of these bowl games that are close to the playoff games and just say, fuck it, make them playoff games, whatever. You know, if the team shit the bed and, uh, you know, if, if the best teams – the best teams will win. Um, and, and go with that. You know, some teams faltered, made mistakes, and other teams like Alabama play fucking New Mexico State midway through the season, which is bullshit. Um, but they get the, the little Churchill Downs teams. I, I'm trying to think who they play every year that's just like a D3 school midway through the season. Absolutely not. And I'm not taking away anything away from Alabama, but hell, make it competitive. Take these bowl games that that are so close to the playoff and put them in, just put them in. What, what do you lose? Nothing. There's nothing uh, more interest um, because really if your team is not in the playoff, the only people that are watching your team's bowl game, most likely instead of if it's not diehard fans and it ain't a primetime game, all it is is going to be your, your team's fans and the other team's fans. And that's all that's watching. That's all that's buying tickets. That's all that cares. Because if it ain't a playoff game, it don't really matter. Oh yeah. You think I care about you think I care about the fucking Liberty City trophy or whatever it's called? You think I care about that? You think I care about the cheese it bowl trophy that OSU won? No. Was it cool to see Mike Gundy get showered and cheese it? Sure. But at the end of the day, does it really matter? No. Take these bowl games, and I'm not saying the cheese it bowl's even close, but take these games that are close to the playoff and put them in. Well, you're not going to put bowl games in the playoff. You're going to have home I mean, sites. Uh, I mean, essentially, you replace them, but it might as well, well be a bowl game. The bowl games won't go away. It'll be uh, just lesser opponents in those bowl games, making them uh, less relevant. Lesser bowls. Right. Right. You know, the, the playoff has essentially you know, made the bowl system meaningless, and that's fine with me. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but 
you're looking at, if you go with 12 teams here, even if you still get the same outcomes of Alabama and Clemson, Ohio State and Oklahoma, you know, as your teams that are still at the upper echelon, at least you made this thing more interesting. You tried. You tried to expand the base and, and get more fans involved and be a part of the process of some sorts. Um, I like the – There's going to be upsets too. Well, we hope. I mean – I think if you one. have a situation, what I would guess is you say there'll be upsets. I think it would be similar to March Madness in the sense of, okay, you might have, you know, the the number five seed get upset by the number 12 team in right. uh, first round. Sure. But I still think the cream will rise to the top every single time where it's still going to yeah. be your best teams winning the playoff, whether you're – this is two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 16, whatever it is, uh, your best teams will still win this. So sure, you'll have some upsets, but I mean, there's going to be without question, the best team will always win this. Now, some detractors will say it devalues the regular season. If anything, I think it enhances the regular season because if you've lost one game or even two games, your season is not over. Every week still matters. You still have a chance to make the playoffs. And, and I hear from college football fans all the time say that, you know, hey, the college football regular season is the most important. It's the best regular season in all the sports. And they're probably right about that. But uh, with all that being said, you look at the NFL, everybody's watching all the way through week 17. You know, I mean – the NFL, you could say that college football has this most important regular season, but last I checked, people still cared about the NFL every single week, even week 17 when teams are taking, you know, uh, you know, playing their backups or whatever. There's still a lot of meaningful games week 17, and I guess this year it'll be week 18 now. Um, you know, the, the college football doesn't need to fully embrace what the NFL is doing, but they sure could learn a thing or two of how – successful the NFL has done things and done things the right way don't necessarily be the NFL but if they've gotten one thing right in the NFL for sure it's how they've uh balanced their importance of the regular season with the playoffs every week matters in the NFL still uh despite what some college football fans may think yeah I mean I here's the thing I don't see why not there's I mean there should be no argument. I I mean, to be fair, I haven't heard anybody say anything against it. I, I mean, and no credible source or no credible argument worth having against the 12 teams. Like, well, why not do it? Okay. Do it for one year. If it doesn't work, scratch it. That's, I mean, we, we, how many well, times that's not have, realistic. I, they're going to be committed to a plan long-term. I, oh, okay. A lo- okay. Long-term plan. Let's sign a freaking eight-year contract of doing it like that. And for whatever reason, if it's a failed experiment, then change it again like we've changed it so many times before. Uh, you know, it should be a progressive thing to get the best product out of it. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's not a one-year thing, but take the chance and do it. What I mean, what do you – realistically, Jones, from your perspective, what is there to lose? What's the worst-case scenario that can happen, do you think? Um, I think that you could argue and you could make a legitimate case for this, that 
maybe having all these games is too much on the college athlete, that they are kids and such. I think that would be the only argument I think that is valid of some sort. Because you're already, if you're the national champion, in today's system, you're playing 15 games. And in this system, you're adding potentially, what, one more game? I mean, a 16-game schedule, that's almost an NFL schedule. So that could be an area of concern is that you're adding games if you're uh, – if you're going to play in the first round and play all the way through. Um, But really, you know, invite more to the party. This is about, you know, expanding this sport and keeping interest of of some sorts in it. Um, You know, we we need this. Uh, Alabama and Clemson have, have won way too much as of late and dominated the sport and taken away the, the parody of it. And I think that, you know, the the only way we move forward to get this sport back to the energy that it was before is to create more opportunity for there to be that group of five champion, to have a shot to make the playoff, to have that hope uh, to be there. For, a, you know, a, a, a team out West, you know, a Pac-12 team to know that, you know, you win, you're in. Or for a chance to open the door for maybe two – or three Big 12 or Big 10 teams, you know? I mean, um, what we we're seeing in college football is that so much of the high school talent is going to Alabama and going to these top schools. What if you decide, let's say an expanded playoff, if you're a kid, let's, let, let's use Nebraska as an example, where I'm at right here, okay? Now, Nebraska football obviously you know, just sucks right now. But if you're a player and you could be the difference in Nebraska being a playoff team as a top 12 team in the country, as opposed to Nebraska having no shot whatsoever with only four teams getting in, you're probably more likely to stay home and play for your hometown team. That's what we're talking about here of creating parity and having more spaces within the playoff, Tom, is that I think with more opportunity means more players would probably be more likely to stay at home, play for their home school, or uh, spread the wealth of some sorts. I do think with more opportunity means better recruiting for those that are just a little bit uh, short of getting to that upper echelon. Yeah, I think so too. And, and not only to mention Jones, I was going to bring this up earlier. I would like to see a player vote out of all the Power Five schools. Do you? Would you like to see the playoff move to twelve teams? And I, I would guarantee you, I think the vote would be seventy-five twenty-five in favor. Um, and I, I think you know, you mentioned the longer seasons. I think that's all you really need to know. Uh, if the players are down to play, let them play. If they, I mean, they already know what the circumstances are in terms of not getting paid. Um, so it's like, well, you know, what else? I mean, might as well let them play. You, you mentioned, you know, Clemson, Alabama have been winning way too much. So what are, you know, what's the, what's the hurt in, in changing it up a little bit and, and kind of, you know, you mentioned it let's get the parody up to up to par because right now it's 
you know, we, we talked about this in the NBA for a while. We thought it was going to be the Warriors or, you know, way back it was going to be the Heat. And now we're enjoying this so much that it's so wide open that it, it's the best thing for the sport. I mean, granted, it's it's as far as TV ratings, you know, with the, the Lakers being out, the Warriors being out, the NBA wanted those teams to be in. But in terms of fan involvement, engagement, like, this is the most exciting playoffs I've seen in a long time. My team's not even in it. Neither is yours. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be way more exciting to see that. It would be unprecedented because it's never happened before. Right. I mean, we were so we were so hyped on four teams. You bring in 12, that's three, four times. That's three times the excitement. And uh, we're, we're about to see college football go through some major changes. I mean – uh, with college basketball just having less players, we saw the effect of the transfer portal um, hit college basketball, I think, first, at least harder than it did college football because of how quickly teams got to rebuild their rosters. Uh, a team like Baylor, who two, three years ago, before the portal days, had no chance to win a national title, uh, was without a doubt the best team in the country and won the title this year. I think college football, the transfer portal, you're going to have some schools that continue to dominate. The rich will get richer, but others are going to learn how to work the portal to their advantage and be a part of the party. And maybe they won't necessarily win on the high school recruiting trail, but they're going to zero in and get some of those great portal players. Um, we talk about name, image, and likeness. We're just a few months away from a lot of states having name, image, and likeness legalized. And the NCAA is all hell-bent about it, and they don't know what to do, and they're freaking out. And we're about to see these players here in no time get that car endorsement, get that Nike shoe, whatever it may be. The sport is about to go through some major changes. And I got to say, I'm a little surprised to hear these conferences talking about 12 teams to actually be forward thinking. College football has always been a sport that's been behind on things. Um, I like it. I like the direction of this. Uh, college football needs a bit of a facelift of some sorts. Our sport's in trouble right now. Um, we need to see this sport get a kick in popularity turn some things around, and when it comes to name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, expanding the playoff, all three of those things sound great to me for the future of this sport and trying to get back on top again. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's the best thing for college football. And, like, you know, like you said before, it wouldn't be a one-year thing, but I, I think it's worth trying, worth attempting, worth putting in practice. I, I, I mean, I think you, at this point, you have to do it. Uh, I mean, the interest, I think, would be there from other teams who don't make the playoff. And 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 you mentioned it before. Pro, I mean, the Pac-12 should be on fucking board for this. They should have a hard on for this right now. Um, because it's this is, you know, you, you mentioned, okay, you got your Cle- Clemson's, Alabama's, OU's, Ohio State's. But what about the other conferences? Okay, Pac-12, you put more teams in there from that. You get 12 teams, not only the Pac-12, and you can even say the Big 12 because we've missed it a couple times. Um, you could even say G5. You could you could put a team like Boise State in there then with no qualms. Why not? 
Sure. You know, then the G5 can stop bitching. Put a team in there like that. Let them get their ass handed to them. And then we can stop this bullshit. Put UCF and Boise State in there. Let them get worked one time. And then we can we can settle that argument. This this settles a whole lot of shit if we do this. Yeah, it does. I mean, if uh, BYU or Coastal would have gotten a shot last year um, or Cincinnati, you know, I mean. Um, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see, you know, just give them that seat at the table and, and let the process play itself out. Uh, prove themselves. You give them a chance to prove themselves at no cost. Right. Exactly. All right. Uh, final segment before we wrap up this show today, our Tom Fullery story of the week. Everybody's favorite part of the show. Tom, where are we going to head to this time? John, we're going to the strip club. Hey, we are going to the strip club. It's been a while, and this ain't even from Florida. This is not, doesn't have to do with any poop like the Tom Fuller usually does. Uh, Jones, we're going to the great city of New Orleans. And, you know, if you've seen, and I meant to send you this the other day, there's a cleaners here in town in Tulsa, um, like on 61st and Harvard. Um, I think it's Fox Cleaners has a sign up on their little marquee that says, yes, we are looking to hire just like everybody else. LOL. Uh, their number well, the cleaners aren't the only one looking to hire Jones. The strip clubs looking to hire. Uh, this comes from Fox 8 Live out of, I think, New Orleans. Okay. Um, and New Orleans title is New Orleans Strip Club offering contract bonuses due to exotic dancer shortage. New Orleans businesses have been facing difficulties filling positions in the hospitality industry since COVID-19 restrictions have loosened and strip clubs are no exception. At least one gentleman's club in New Orleans is offering signing bonuses to new and returning entertainers to combat what they call the national exotic dancer shortage jones i've heard of helium shortages oil shortages water shortages a lot of shortages never heard of a national exotic dancer shortage (laughs) unfortunate we look forward to reverting back to a seven day per week operation just as we were prior to covid and kessler general manager General Manager of Larry Flint's Hustler Club in New Orleans. What a name. Yeah, Larry Flint. And it's not F-L-I-N-T-S. It's F-L-Y-N. Or it's F, not F-L-I-N-T-S. It's F-L-Y-N-T. Oh, too bad. All right. Flint's Club. Hustler. The old Hustler Club <laughs> in New Orleans, Jones. In order to do so, we need to ensure that we have an ample number of entertainers to sustain our guests which is why we are implementing a signing incentive to both local and out-of-state entertainers. Jones, you want to go to New Orleans? Uh, I'm actually um, asking New Orleans uh, Labor Day weekend. I might have to pay a visit. There, well, you might get paid going. Maybe you can be an entertainer. <laughs> um, Larry Flint. I don't think Hustler. my employer would be too pleased. They wouldn't have to know. You go, I don't, what would, uh, we could come up with a stage name for you. Tony Smoke. That would be easy. <laughs> Tony Smoke, yeah, there we go. I like that. All right. Larry Flint's Hustler Club on Bourbon Street is offering $1,000 incentives 
to any new or returning entertainer. Believe it or not, New Orleans has everything besides exotic dancers at this time, Kessler adds. I urge, I urge entertainers to contact me for their signing bonuses. The city quickly gears up towards full capacity. Jones, let's reverse this. If you're an exotic dancer, why not go to New Orleans for a month and make that extra K? <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, you, you got all that good food in New Orleans. New Orleans is a fun city. And you're on Bourbon Street. If you're a, a stripper at, okay, maybe, I don't think any strippers listen to this show. If they do, I want to, I want them to send us an email. Drop the email link, Jones. What uh, is Tyler it? TylerJonesRadio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you there. We would love to have you on the show at that point for Tom Fullery for this segment. Uh, I would be glad to talk with you. And I'd be even glad to buy a $20 dance from you if that was the case. Uh, next time in New Orleans, if you go down there, you can get you a thousand dollars sign on bonus. Come on down to Larry Flint's Hustler Club in New Orleans and sign up today. Um, they didn't leave a number on this report, they just say contact Ann Kessler. Ann Kessler's throwing around names like everybody knows who she is. You don't know, Ann? Um, no, I don't. I'm sure she's a nice lady if she's offering a thousand dollars. Jones, you can essentially get a mini stimmy down there if you go and shake that ass. I, I might have to do that. You know, I mean, uh, I got, I got. There's no, like there's no videos allowed in the club. No cell phone footage. You could go down there, go under Tony Smoke, shake that ass, come out of there with the grand, and and pay for your parents' gumbo when you guys go down there. <laughs> I like. I mean, I mean, it's great for all parties. Uh, Jones, this is not as Tom Fuller as I, you know, as, as some of the others, but at the same time, the Tom Fuller portion of this is national exotic dancer shortage. There's been a lot of shortages of a lot of things. Yeah, there's I've more. never heard of an exotic dancer shortage. So there's more jobs available in America right now than there's been in history. Um, and I guess that the exotic dancers, they, uh, they, they need some work too. And I remember Jeff Long, the former KUAD, when he brought in uh, Snoop Dogg, and he made a statement saying that he didn't know what acrobatic dancers were or exotic dancers were in uh, in 2019, what the meaning was, that he misunderstood it. Uh, I bet Jeff Long now might understand a little more. I bet he could, you know, he, he could make some phone calls. Obviously, he's got some contacts with Snoop, Snoop Dogg. Maybe Jeff Long is the person they need to call to get some referrals for some folks down there. I mean, maybe so. Call up All-Stars and get them to go down from Lawrence all the way down to New Orleans. Uh, you know, you could really call down there. You know, you could be your spokesperson if it doesn't work out in the NFL. You could have Puka Williams down there <laughs> running the club. <laughs> He's from down there. He could get all those Lawrence girls from All-Stars and get them down there to New Orleans. Have it. Then there you go. There's your New Orleans pipeline to KU. Uh, you know, get all the get all the kids of the strippers down to go to KU. Now we we were talking to Bo earlier, and uh, you know he's a big Jameis Winston guy, 
And immediately you mentioned, you know, this type of thing, I think Jameis Winston, but Bo was saying earlier that, you know, he's married, he's a much more mature, calm down guy now. Uh, might be a good thing to keep Jameis away from the strip club, actually. I mean, yeah, maybe so. Jones, you said you're going to go to New Orleans. Is this your first time in New Orleans? It will be, yes. So, Jones, I'm assured you're going to go to Bourbon Street. This is actually one of the premier clubs on Bourbon Street, and I say that not having been in there but have been very intoxicated going past it. And I can tell you from firsthand experience on a New Year's Eve – that I've been past this club and they have topless strippers outside trying to pull you in to get into this club. I, I didn't go in. Uh, and I probably would have had my sister not been with me. Oh, I'm um, going to be with my mom and dad. So oh, that's all right. You can get Charlie in there. Uh, you know, <laughs> your, your, your mom and Ashley can go into a voodoo shop. You and your dad can have a little father son bonding time. They'll probably I would feel so uncomfortable baby. with my father in a strip club. I would love it. Would you I'd go take, with I'd your take... dad? Would you go with your dad to a strip club? A million times over. Jones, I'll tell you what. And he, my dad doesn't listen to this show. He does have Spotify, and he probably should listen. But I know he doesn't. He just listens to Leonard Skinner and Bob Seger on, on Spotify and the Spotify I set him up at. He's doing good to even search Spotify, to be honest, so I can talk all the shit I want because I know for a fact he's not going to find this. Um, so for Father's Day, today, Jones, actually on the day where we're recording this, it's funny that we bring up a strip club. You've been in my garage before. I bought my dad for Father's Day. Uh, this is the type of dad Johnny is. We, I mean, we had... During during the pandemic, me and John had some good times. Drank all the time, played darts, smoked black and milds. We did all of it. Um, but I bought my dad a neon light for his garage slash man cave. That's one of those strip club neon lights that says live nudes. <laughs> and that's what I got him for Father's Day. And I think he's going to be thrilled with it. I think he's going to get a kick out of it. Um, so that's what I got him. So, yeah. He would have. He would definitely go into a strip club, um, and I would. I would probably be the one to take him. Uh, no doubt in my mind. But that being said, I'd take. I Charlie's going to listen to this. I'd, Charlie, if you're listening, I'll take you to strip club any day. Uh, oh probably hate me a little God. bit more than you have to do. But I'd oh. take you, Tyler, to the Hustler Club to see what kind of see what kind of out of state dancers they get for the shortage. Um. Hell, we might. E- I might even DJ it. Um, and, <laughs> you know, you, you talked at the beginning of the show to, I, to get me in Omaha to do karaoke. Maybe we'll just do karaoke at the Hustler Club in New Orleans. This show has gone off the rails today. Uh, I mean, first hey, you that's bring the up, best time. First, you bring up that stupid MJ LeBron debate. Now you're talking about taking my dad to a strip club and me being there. Like, good. Well, that's in New Orleans. Would you take your dad to Magic City? Would I? Oh God! For the I wings, you can tell him you went to the for the wings. For the wings, yeah. You get your lemon pepper order like Lou Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and Johnny Manziel, yeah. All right, that's your that's your cover story. I don't know what you're gonna find in New Orleans. You can say, "Hey, Dad, I brought you here for the gumbo." I bet I could get that as a tax write-off too. Oh my God! I, 
what, Magic City or Gumbo at Hustler Club? Uh, Magic City, saying I was there for the food. You know, that it was for work. For I'll work. tell you, who I'd, I'll tell you who I'd want to take to a strip club, and I know he's not on right now, but he should be. I'd like to take Bo to a strip club, and I, it's 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 been since Jones. It's been since 2015 since I've been to a strip club, and that was my first time in Vegas. Okay, I, I so would it's, go it's with. It's been six years. I would go with you and Bo to a strip club. I don't know if I'd go with my dad though. No, no, that's probably not the right move. Definitely not when your mom and sister are in town as well. That's yeah. that's very risque. Risque, to say the least. And, unless, right. unless, unless you were getting a thousand dollar incentive bonus to go sign up and dance, right. and then in that case, I think Lisa and Ashley would show up to watch. Oh, <laughs> uh, on that note, before we say anything else, we regret. <laughs> let's go ahead and get on out of here. Big thanks to the <laughs> Hall of Famer Nancy Lieberman for joining us on today's show. What a pleasure uh, to have Nancy here, and she's welcome back. It's anytime. been a while. It has been a minute, and. She said some inspiring stuff uh, today. Uh, I mean, it was really just a pleasure. That was one of my favorite interviews, maybe my favorite interview we've had all year to this point, as we're just about halfway through 2021 uh, on the Jones Report. So uh, big thanks to uh, Nancy for stopping by. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Tyler Jones Live. Look for the blue check. Uh, I'll have some uh, updates from uh, Dallas-Fort Worth this weekend. Going to have a great time out there. Uh, we'll uh, certainly get the most out of uh, this weekend uh, with David and Dominic and the guys there at Texas Motor Speedway and all the other – No strip clubs? Well, I'm not ruling it out. We'll see. Uh, I, now, I'm not trying to out David here, but uh, D- David's quite the ladies' man, so uh, – We'll see what David's up for. Uh, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, so we'll have some updates throughout the weekend. Tom's on Twitter at Thomas underscore Bridges. And uh, follow us at TJ Media Group. Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group. Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, uh, Instant Thomas, and uh, Jones underscore Report. You can find us there. For Brian O'Connor, Thomas Bridges, Nancy Lieberman. I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. It's been another edition of Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.